Hey, everyone. It's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com Security Boulevard Container Journal, and you're listening to another DevOps chat. Have a, uh, I, what I think is going to be a great chat lined up for us today. Straight from Brooklyn, New York, we have Pete Markowski, co-founder, chief architect at Capsule 8. Pete, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for having our guest. So, Pete, let's, let's get uh, kind of the preliminaries right out of the way here, right? Mm-hmm. Capsulate, what do you guys do? All right, so since marketing will kill me if I don't say the first statement, we are a high-performance attack protection system for Linux, for Linux servers. That's so, great. All right, let's, the marketing people are happy the now. The marketing people are happy, right? Talk so, to my audience. So, really right. so what, what do we really do? What do we really do, yeah. right? So uh, we do a lot of behavioral detection. Uh, you know, the idea is to do it as close to, you know, shall we say line speed, as they used to say for the old firewall days, uh, yep. so that you can actually take an agent, put it on your servers. We know how to instrument the Linux kernel appropriately so that we can be container aware. We can be, you know, behavior aware. And for us to be able to rapidly provide context and alerting capabilities, so you can put policy down, you can rapidly figure out facts. And then our goal is to get our, your, you know, this data, either alerting data that we push out to somewhere, you know, so you can get it into your workflow, uh, how, you know, however, and as fast as we possibly can. The other thing we do is we store up a bunch of facts as we're going along and analyzing the data. So you can say, Hey, wait, you know, at some point I found, you know, a piece of malware, somebody's crypto mining on my, my servers. How did we get here? Right? And you can say, well, what network connections did this process make, you know, did, did my servers make outbound in the last, say, hour? Right? We want to be able to facilitate answering those kind of questions that security operations folk uh, have to do. Um, and we want to be able to get it into your workflows as fast as possible, but also at the same time, we want to keep ops and everybody else happy by not chewing up all your resources to do this, right? Like, like our, our sort of, you know, stake in the ground compared to, to a lot of other people in the space is, you know, we kind of recognize that these, these are your bread and butter systems and, you know, we can't spend a ton of time shipping all the data off the host at all times. We can't, you know, the analysis has to be very focused, um, yeah. you know, because again, we're, we're sort of attacks, right? Security is that property you measure, you know, when you lose it. Right. Otherwise, it just sort of goes by unnoticed. The other thing is, is that, you know, everybody has a sliding scale for, for their risk tolerance. You know, like maybe they'd be willing to accept you know, some loss in fidelity, provided that you keep performance within the right range. Right. We need to be able to make sure that we can you know, accommodate people because that's what makes production, you know, different. Right. We're not talking about desktops that have large amounts of CPU just sort of sitting idle where, you know, we're talking about. You know, a lot of attacks that start with things like command injection, right? And then you sort of run roughshod from that, you know, from that initial vantage point. Um, and so, you know, we walk through that kind of stuff. And because we're able to do things like instrument the kernel through things like perf, uh, we're able to pick up things like kernel exploits, right? The goal is to sort of find that nice sweet spot where somebody's gotten in through, you know, one of the various, you know, means, be it a command injection, be it stolen credentials, be it, um, you know, a web application bug, they've sort of gotten in there. And now we want to be able to sort of follow them up to the point of like privilege escalation and other sort of user policy violations at that point. Um, And we want to be able to help you figure out, you know, how that happened, which 
also means providing a lot of context, right? Because one of the amazing parts about the brave new world that is, you know, cloud containers uh, and everything else is we have all this rich, rich context, right? We've got metadata that's just coming from everywhere, uh, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that security operations folks often have to do is we have to now take that context and put it together so we know who are the right operations teams to contact in the case of an incident. You know, how much do we care, right? And, you know, the fact that we have things in sort of these software-defined groups, right, when, when you're in the cloud and everything's driven off an API, you know, I may have a, a host that we had an incident, but the question is, do we care? Is that tied to one of my mainline services? You know, is that tied to you know, an auto scale group where actually that node got blown away already just because, hey, we didn't, you know, have as many requests per second as we wanted anymore and the auto scale group just wiped it out, right? Um, yep. a lot, and a lot of times, like a lot of the modern security tools we've seen and a lot of the traditional ones really don't really give you that context, nor do they really give you an easy way to get, get that context to you. And so, you know, you're like 10 years, you know, God, 10, 12, 13 years ago, right, I was working security operations at Google and, you know, it was one of the first times I carried a pager. And, you know, you get that page in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, my God, please tell me Google.com is not down, right? You know, because, of course, it's the website everyone will see. And, you know, and as a result, you know, the thing was context, right? The first thing you get off the, you know, off the page is, okay, we saw a thing. What does this mean? Right. How do I make the decision to, to sort of say, how do we act as quickly as possible? And, you know, some of it you build up with experience, but some of it, right, if you could just put the right piece of information, you know, in front of the person, they can more effectively get through that, find the right people to bring in. And, you know, I mean, a lot of incidents, unfortunately, are still measured in, what is it, you know, months to months to years in some cases, or at least, you know, weeks to years. Yeah. Sorry, weeks to months. Um, but, yeah, and so... You know, our goal is to try to be able to say, look, there's this whole new rich world of, of data. Let's merge it in for you. Let's enrich it up front, ideally, like on the host. Be able to make, use it to make decisions, right? Whether it's about, like, do you set policies? Do you, um, you know, not only do you set policies, but can you put that information into, like, alerting data, right? Um, and, you know, being able to use that context to, to help operators make a better decision. Um, you know, as well as we have some of the, you know, traditional security pedigree. Uh, like one of the things I guess I should talk about here is uh, when we formed Capsulate, a bunch of us had been working on sort of, you know, the more offensive side of security research, right? You know, which is like find bugs. How do you exploit bugs? And, you know, a lot of the stuff we noticed was, you know, there's patterns to these attacks. And so we said, okay, can we build, you know, faster analysis to sort of find the choke points in these patterns? And, you know, and we spent a lot of time working around that. And, you know, the good news is it pays off. I mean, like there's, there's things where, you know, when you, when you do something like, for example, like a, a kernel based privilege escalation, right? Your goal is to escalate privileges. There's a million ways to do it, but ultimately you end up, you know, modifying a process somewhere and giving it more access than it had before. Right. Like, uh. Right. And so, so, you know, rather than trying to sort of enumerate all the badness, like, let's talk about behaviors. Let's talk about, you know, the goals and the thing, you know, what are the things you want to steal? And if, again, going back to our sort of sense of context, right, um, you know, that can do it. 
Um, and so one of the other things that we, we sort of, you know, do is we spend a lot of time working on the idea of like being able to provide context to our strategy, you know, what we call strategies, which are our detection logic. So they can make decisions based on things like this is what processes are running on the system and this is their parents and this is where they came from. And so that sort of sense of provenance, you know, lets us make better decisions, give you the ability to more aptly describe common situations, right? Um, so like take something like files, right? Uh, like, you know, file policies. You want to be able to say things like, you know, apps should be able to create files, right? If you're using, you know, a Debian-based system, you know, an app, app get install from an administrator should, you know, should not create a ton of alerts, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, anything that has, you know, installation scripts and other things may kick off sub processes and other stuff, right? Like the thing that we talk about with our context is the ability to say, look, you know, our strategies can see that this job is rooted through apt and is coming through, you know, is coming through here. So you can say, okay, we, we trust apt and its children at this point to be able to do these right decisions, make these right decisions or to, you know, make these, do these behaviors really. Um, you know, and so, so we start with that, right? We start with context. We start with, you know, the ability to apply policy through this context. And then, you know, the other big thing that I'll definitely talk, like I would talk about here philosophically is integration. And the reason we feel integration is incredibly important is there's this sort of sad pattern that shows up in a lot of security incidents. Like you'll, like if you look at like a bunch of the, the, uh, reports that like the House of Representatives has people do like for tar the target breach or Equifax, right? There's these sort of like, you know, what happened and they give you the timeline of what happened. And occasionally, and I'll, I'll cite Equifax here just because it's, it's maybe the most interesting. They didn't notice the attack for 78 days because the device they had monitoring the network traffic had an expired security, like SSL cert. Right. Yep. And so as soon as they replaced the cert, suddenly they noticed that, oh, my God, people are copying data out of our network. And this sort of goes to the heart of what we think about with integration, because the whole point is if we can get our, you know, our alerting data, our, you know, investigations data into your workflows and into your system. Right. Without having you have to sort of think about it. Right. You're more likely to find the relevant piece of information. Right. And if it has the right context, then it kind of kind of nails it home. Right. Um, yep. And so, you know, we've been lately, we've been on a bit of a tear. Um, right. Like uh, we've been going around and integrating. I know people have been talking to us about how, uh, you know, can you integrate with you know, AWS's security hub or Google's cloud, you know, security command center. And, uh, we, we did that recently. Um, yep. So, Pete, I want to talk about that. But before we do, I, I don't know, I just feel compelled to, to interject something here. Yes. And, you know, what, I, what I'd like to kind of throw out at you is, you know, I, I view cloud security. Look, I've been in the security industry for a really long time. You know, I was looking at you at the leaders that overcapsulate, and I'm, you know, Dino and John and so many of these guys I've, I've run into and worked with or 
know, know from the industry. Um, you know, when, when cloud first, cloud and cloud security first kind of came to the forefront in 2005, right, a lot of the so-called cloud solutions were what I call cloud-washed. Mm-hmm. They were, they were your regular on-prem stuff, server stuff that people just said, poof, now you're cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then we saw sort of this first generation of cloud security solutions, but I would say they weren't cloud native. They were still server native, data center native, maybe optimized for cloud is, is a good way of thinking about it because we really hadn't quite figured out What's the proper mix between what is the cloud provider supposed to do around security and what do, do I as the, not the consumer, but the, you know, I'm hosting my stuff on the cloud. I'm using the cloud for my infrastructure, right? What is my responsibility regarding security? Understanding that whoever's responsibility is, Ultimately, I'm still going to take the blame when, when you know, stuff hits the fan. So, so we saw that first generation where there was this dance around that. Then I think we saw a third generation of cloud security, Pete, and this was really, I think we started seeing the first cloud-native cloud security kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right, that was born, designed, hosted, raised, lived in the cloud, and at the same time, and this is sort of the double helix in my mind, Pete, at the same time, it also had a little bit of a keener understanding between what, what is the cloud provider's responsibility or what are they doing around security versus what are we doing around security and how do they interact. Now I think the kind of stuff you're talking about, mm-hmm. right, is, is yet a new generation where Yes, it's cloud native when it has to be and is. And not only is it cloud native protecting the cloud, it's cloud native protecting your on-prem and network as well. But uh, even on top of that, the more than the understanding of what the cloud provider does and what I'm going to do, there's truly an integration of what the cloud providers providing in terms of security. So when you talk about integrating with things like AWS, I have to get the name now of their oh, cloud. Yeah, security, yeah, security, yeah. security yeah. or the new Google console, you know, to me, this, it, it I mean, do you, do you, do you think I'm off base here or, or is that kind of jive with what, how you look at it? Uh, I mean, I think that that kind of syncs up with how we look at it as well. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's been a lot of traditional stuff, right, that's been out here, Sumo Logic, at an older level, like Q Radar, ArcSight, you know, all these sort of like SIM kind of tools. Yeah. But they've also been sort of a step removed from the infrastructure, yep. right, as well. And so, you know, we're seeing all this sort of power open up, right, um, like, the idea that you have, you know, lambdas, you have stuff, to, you know, cloud functions and everything else that's also tied in with all of this that you can sort of pull in in different ways and sort of, you know, set up your workflows so that not only do you get the beauty of the, you know, the sort of the platform that the providers have set up, but you also have the ability to really contextualize what's happening in all these different layers. And as we sort of talked about earlier, um, the 
the nature of the game has changed because everything is moving, right? Between auto scale groups, between you know things like pods and Kubernetes, right? Your workload and your you know your services may bounce across the network at a software level, right? Your security, you know, your security operators now need to be able to quickly contextualize, you know, what it what it means, right? In the past, we had people tying stuff down to, oh, well, this IP and this server is always this, you know, always this thing. Um, and you know, the thing that I guess that I see with the providers is the fact that they can seamlessly pull in all of this context, and you can sort of be yet another feed into that, right? You can enrich the, the, you know, the operator's experience. They go, oh, yeah, I get it. I see what's going on here. Oh, right. And, and more rapidly make that decision. But also, you can kind of you know, pick what you want to do about it in a bunch of different ways that previously you may have just been saying, oh, well, I can put a firewall rule. Let's go do this or, uh, you know, or whatever else. Like, right? The idea that you can just snapshot uh, you know, any host, pull it down, keep stuff in service, and you know, go do some forensics on it later. I mean, it's pretty exciting. No, look, it's, it's a, it's a great time to be alive. Yeah. Right. Compared to you're talking to someone who, you know, my, my last company I co-founded back in 2001, we, you know, we, we took snort and started using IPS functionality with it. Mm. And, and you want to talk about, you know, desensitize, desensitizing and, and overload, you know, and then line speed. When you said line speed, I had a, a, a terrible nightmare flashback. Uh, and so it is a great time. And, but as much as it's a great time, Pete, it's it's a dangerous time because the threats today are faster, better, smarter than they were, you know, back then too. So it, it's like. It's like this giant petri dish of Darwinian evolution, right? And I, I don't know what the the exit out of that is, but it's it certainly, you know, it's a challenge. As as exciting as it is, it's it's equally as challenging. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I would say the interesting thing is we're starting to see we're starting to see the fact that as change management starts to become more and more mature, right? Mm -hmm. That one of the things that people aren't necessarily taking advantage of, but they can start to, is home field advantage, right? Well, these threats get better and better. They still have to go through the process of break in, learn the environment, find the data they want to steal, right? Um, Another company that I I have to admit I admire considerably is uh, thanks for the canaries and the canary tokens, because they basically brought back honey pots yeah. and honey tokens, right? Um, bringing those back where you can, you know, put those in your environment where your people know what those, you know, they know this is the bad file, you shouldn't touch the bad file, right? And if they do, you still want to investigate it, right? That kind of stuff is just sort of the beginning of this, right? If everything's tied to an API, right, you can, you can mix things up periodically to keep people off balance. And even the more sophisticated threats are still going to have to figure out how to migrate around your network and how to sort of deal with, with change, right? Like uh, uh, an amusing sort of, you know, thing that like uh, we used to talk about, especially in the early days of Capsulate was, you know, 
continuous delivery is in some ways, uh, you know, an act, you know, an accidental great defense mechanism. Right. And like, when you talk about things like reverse uptime, what you're really doing is you're forcing an attacker to have to re-persist. Yep. Right. And you know, when they go through that kind of, that kind of thing, that's when they're sort of sticking their neck out the most. Um, and so again, I, I am, and this, this may be a little bit more, you know, visionary than I intend to be or whatever. Uh, but I do believe that as we, we sort of get better and better at change management, right. The idea that home field advantage could be, a, you know, could be a useful thing and could help us in terms of detection engineering, I think is, is there. I mean, right. I mean, even some of the sort of like chaos monkey stuff we're seeing, right. If you just mm-hmm. randomly rip out a host underneath, you know, an attacker per session, right. They still have to come back in. Um, and again, every time they do this is another chance for us to detect them. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing there also, Pete, is, is the shift left aspect of this too, which is we, we need to make security synonymous with quality. Mm-hmm. So, because, you know, when you look at your sort of your classic DevOps, you know, best practices or, or I don't know if there's such a thing as DevOps best practices, <laughs> DevOps, you know, state-of-the-art DevOps, let's call it, right? Traditional kind of stuff is what we should be doing is taking those lessons learned every time we redeploy and we see how a, a, a an attacker or, you know, someone with ill intentions has to kind of rejig. Right, we need to be setting up the feedback loops about what we learned, mm-hmm. right, and 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 pour that back into the iteration to the next iteration, right. So that it's not just that we redeployed, but we redeployed, and based upon what we saw from the last deployment, we shut off yet another avenue, another vector. We we trim that surface up a little bit more, mm-hmm. right. We harden that, um, and and I think. You know, it's continuous security and it's continuous improvement in security that 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 results in. And I don't know if it was unintentional or not, but Peter, I'll tell you that six, seven years ago when I first read the manuscript of of Phoenix Project and got into the whole DevOps thing, that was exactly the reason why I got into it is I thought this was the best thing for security that came down the pike in, you know, my 20 plus years doing it. So... You know, I, yeah, you're, you're talking to the preaching to the choir here. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, I, I started in this industry uh, doing a lot of like, you know, what used to be, you know, traditional, I guess it's more DevOpsy now, but it was, you know, sysadmin work mm-hmm. uh, when I was at Northeastern uh, University. And I had the good fortune of working under some really great folks uh, like David Blank Edelman. Uh, who you know was associated with sort of Usenix, and they started doing a lot of this kind of stuff. You know, auto generate configs, do large scale you know configuration management, and that kind of stuff. And you know, the thing the thing that I think is truly great about this, right, is you plan for change, right? Like mm-hmm. issuing patches is not like the same scary proposition when you can say, okay, we're going to do the patch, we're going to roll it out, maybe we do something like a canary deployment see how it goes in production, you know, with like 2% of production traffic. Okay. We could, you know, we could say we know what our risk is. Right. And being more sort of empirical about that, right. Really lets you go forward. And, you know, tying, tying it back to what we do, right. We want to enable that <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. Right. I, I, and absolutely. security, you know, 
So, as I, I, I got I got I got bad news. Yep. Dude, we're so far over our time limit here. I, I'm ashamed. Uh, it's, all, it's, uh, all, it's all good. I was super nervous in the beginning, uh, which is why I was sort of word salad in paragraphs. No, it's okay, man. It, it's all good. I think people will enjoy it. You know, our audience tends to be technical, Peter, and, and so when you can talk about nuts and bolts and not at five million feet, they, yep. they enjoy that. So, okay. first of all, thanks for being our guest on this episode of DevOps Chat. Right. You know, success to you and the rest of the team at Capsule 8. Tell them I said hello. Will and maybe we can have you back on and we can continue the convo. All right. I'd like that very cool. much. Thank you. All right, man. Hey, um, this is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com. Uh, until next time, have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye.